Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, uh, doing a podcast because this was the craziest game we've covered. <laughs> uh, probably the craziest game I've covered. Um, Kennington Smith, uh, also of the Des Moines Register. Iowa wins against Michigan State in a dire situation. <laughs> uh, down 11 with 55 seconds to go, comes back to force overtime and wins it 112 to 106. Uh, once again, I felt bad. It's been kind of a recurring theme, has it not, Kennington? You've got your story written, and then yeah. the Hawkeye, then the Hawkeyes come back and ruin it. Yeah, I mean, they have no remorse or regard for anything that I have in planned or doing in my life. Like I was sitting back, feet kicked up, story was done. I, all I had to do was hit publish, and then all of a sudden, you just see them like creeping back, creeping back, creeping back. And then, as I was hitting these three pointers, and Michigan State is answering free throws, you're thinking to yourself, surely. Michigan State, who pretty much has not missed all day, is just going to keep hitting these free throws and close it out. And the one time that they don't answer back and they miss a free throw, Iowa ties it up with Peyton Sanford with three seconds left and sends it to overtime. But um, not nah, a crazy game. I think I'm getting good at the whole write a whole story, tear it down, rewrite it in five minutes thing, though. So should this happen again, I think I'll be more prepared. But, you know, to your point, it was a crazy game. Tom Izzo said afterwards that he – liking the comeback to Iowa, making the comeback at Michigan State in uh, 93, uh, shortly after Chris Street's death. So that just lets you know, first of all, how historic this type of comeback is. This is not hyperbole to say this is a historic comeback. And um, just kind of the magnitude of the win, because this is a game that Iowa absolutely needed to have. Okay, so I have an idea here. Let's okay. start. Let's start with the story you had written and the shell of the <laughs> column I had already started to write because honestly, yeah. if they don't pull this out, those are the storylines. Are they not? I mean, yeah. Uh, a team that's, I mean, for me, it's a team that's on the NCAA tournament bubble all of a sudden uh, with a coach who just got three technicals in one week and is now staring down a referee <laughs> during a timeout and a team that just, can't play defense. I don't. What, what did you have written? And I mean, it, it really felt like this season was kind of like the Indiana game, honestly. Yeah, on the uh, ropes, and then they they pull it out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, the the top of the the story was pretty much that Iowa did shoot the ball better, but defensively was where the game was lost. So kind of gained one thing, but lost another. Or something else that's kind of been a recurring theme reared its ugly head in an Iowa loss, which is poor defensive rotations and breakdowns. And there were some inexcusable ones throughout the entire game. But where I landed on in the instant story was that Michigan State in that second half, there was a point where their shooting splits were 63, 80, 100. It was just like every, you know, Michigan State was continuously open. It seemed like every single time Iowa was in a position to see some momentum or make a big play, it was another Michigan State three on the very next possession, usually wide open. And as far as what it meant for Iowa's season, I wrote that they entered this game with two less quad one wins than they had 24 hours ago. Illinois dropped in the net ranking. Seton Hall dropped in the net ranking. So that gave Iowa only four quad one wins. This was going to be a quad two loss. And I felt like they were still going to be in the NCAA tournament, even with this loss. But it does create a bit of a dark cloud. And it was a very bad omen entering Indiana on Tuesday. I mean, everything that you just said on top of three straight losses, 
going into an Indiana game where you know Indiana's going to be highly motivated to win that game. That's going to be a quad one game. The place is going to be rocking. We know what Iowa's road struggles have been like lately. So that's kind of like the story that I had was pretty much just defensively this team is pretty far behind at this point in the year, and they're on a three-game losing streak heading into a really big game on Tuesday. But that's what the thing is. These aren't the stories now. It's just crazy. (laughs) And now the you know, McCaffrey antics are are uh, being applauded by the team for spurring the comeback and spur. Well, that was what was sort of fascinating was while McCaffrey's standing over there staring down Kelly Pfeiffer. <laughs> I mean, he was. It, it's been a tough week for Fran. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, two T's at, at Northwestern, fifty points at or fifty-two points at Wisconsin. When you can't throw the ball into Lake Michigan, and then, uh, and then this game. I mean, crazy. So now, the reverse, Iowa solidly back in the NCAA tournament. I don't, I don't think there's any question now after this win that they're going to be in. They got 10 wins in the Big Ten. Um, this was a very quality, high-quality win. Uh, I would say they've got a real good chance of beating Nebraska next Sunday. Nothing's for sure, but Iowa has won eight straight at home, and this will be the worst team it's faced at home. I guess Ohio State would be right there, too, but um, – you know, you just everything's just kind of back on track, and now the shooting's better. I mean, they hit seventeen of thirty. They hit seventeen of thirty-six from three, yeah. which is insane. Uh, uh, but let, anyway, let's get into the let's get into the comeback. Let's get into the comeback because I don't know how. I still don't know how how it happened. I'm just going through the play by play, and it's like Michigan State kept making their free throws, like. Yeah. Iowa would make a three, and they would hit both. AJ Hogard two for two free throws. AJ Hogard two for two free throws. Uh, this is a team that was eleven of thirteen from three, eighty four point six percent. I mean, it's it still doesn't make sense to me how they came back. Yeah, literally, it just came down to one free throw that gave Iowa an opening. And Michigan State was shooting red hot; they were shooting lights out. But Iowa was never out of the game. I mean, they were. Within three points, within five points, the the largest deficit, I believe, was seven points. And it just seemed like, again, every single time Iowa got within three, got within two, Michigan State had an answer right back. And this was the only time where they didn't have where they didn't have an answer. And Iowa took advantage of that. And I think it just speaks to the resiliency of the team. That's been a common theme also throughout the year that while they haven't shot the ball well on the road, they have had poor defensive breakdowns on a positive and one of the reoccurring themes is that it's a team that's just you know, most of the times just not going to quit. Uh, you referenced the Indiana game in early January down 21 came back one. Michigan is another example of a, of a comeback win that they had. And then you have this afternoon as well. So by and large, this is a team that's not going to quit. And Tony Perkins said that he said, we're always going to pride ourselves on, um, you know, playing until the final buzzer, even though he admitted that he thought the game was over himself like he still played hard but in his you know he thought that they didn't have they weren't going to come back and and win so that's what I'll say about Michigan State I mean you gotta if you're a Spartan fan and we had Tom Izzo in the postgame presser I mean he was gutted like I mean let me let's just let me just read these numbers to you 106 points 59 percent from the field 73 percent from the three-point line 86 percent from the free throw line yeah 21, 21 assists. I mean, that's that's a winning stat line 
99.9% of the time in college. You're scoring 106 points in college. You're, you're supposed to win most of the time you're winning running away. And you just got to give credit to Iowa for not, for not quitting, staying with it, and, um, you know, executing the, the way that they did down the stretch. 17 threes is impressive, but it's even more impressive when you consider that Michigan State is the best team in the Big Ten at defending the three. This is one of the, the best perimeter defenses in the country. They only allow 29% of three-point makes. And Iowa shot 47% from three today. So um, a lot yeah. of a lot of different things happening at, at once here. But um, really balanced scoring effort by Iowa. A lot of players got involved, which is exactly what you want to see this time of year because, um, you know, about a week ago, there were a lot of questions about um, shooting the, you know, the rotations, offensively where are these points coming from and Iowa um, answered the bell today. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to rewatch this game because uh, the end of this game because it was just it is a blur and I've gone you know we've gone through the play by play but here's kind of the blow by blow with Iowa down 96 uh, to 86 with 39 seconds left. I mean, it's still down 10 with 39 to go. Connor hits a 3. And then they get that travel by Malik Hall. That was the other big factor. They get the travel on the press. Chris Murray connects from three with 32 seconds left. And all of a sudden, it's 96-92. And I wrote in my column, that was the first time I felt like the, the Carver crowd really believed. Uh, because it was it was still pretty pretty like resigned. And there was a lot of people gone already. And then that happened. And then, again, Michigan State, two free throws. Uh, Pat, I want to give credit to Patrick McCaffrey. I know he's been kind of uh, beaten up in the fan base the last couple games, um, you know, just because his stat line hasn't been there. But he delivered a huge three-pointer at the top of the key. They don't get that three. That uh, you know, this game's over. Uh, that cuts it to 98-95. Again, two for two free throws. Connor comes down, hits a three. Then you get the one for two free throw and the Peyton Sanford three, which. Uh, he had a great quote. He said, uh, I knew it was going in as soon as they missed the free throw. <laughs> that guy just has so much confidence. Yeah. Uh, and he's just so positive, too. He's positive and he's confident. And he just believes, man. He was the one that led that players only huddle, according to Chris Murray. And I believe Tony Perkins said that, too. So, uh, you know, Peyton Sanford, man, he's like, he's like the. He's like the fire starter, you know, in terms of emotional, you know, let's go guys, stay positive and stay with it. And you got to give them credit. They've gotten, they've pulled three home wins out of nowhere this year. Um, <laughs> largely thanks to Sanford, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's looking like an emerging, an emerging star and I don't want to get too far ahead. Obviously there's a lot of season left, but you think about, where Iowa's team is going to be at next year and what that roster is going to look like. There's been a lot of great players who have been leading these teams over the last few years. National Player of the Year, Big Ten Player of the Year level players, Luca Garza, Keegan Murray, Chris Murray. They're losing Chris Murray, Philip Rocha, Connor McCaffrey next year. And I'm sure there's conversations in the in the you know within the fan base in the back of their minds like who's going to be the guy that's going to lead Iowa going into next year. And Payne Sanford has to be, um, you know, at the top of that list when you think about the clutch performances that he had, the leadership ability that he showed um, entering into Big Ten play and performances like this. And I want to go back to Patrick for a second. He led the team in plus minus today, if you subscribe to that metric, plus 10. So um, 23 minutes, seven points, four rebounds, 
Um, team I, like I said, plus ten. Played well. To, played well today. Um, provided a provided a spark and seven man rotation again for for Fran. He's relying on his veteran players. Josh Dix had seven minutes in this game, but by and large, it was um, Fran's seven vets who um, who played throughout the game and sparked this comeback. Yeah, and let's actually let's go to overtime. We haven't even talked about overtime. I mean, they, getting to the extra five minutes. They did that against Wisconsin in miraculous fashion, and they actually lost that game. Uh, got to overtime against Michigan, did win that game. And then this one um, uh, started with a tip, right? That was a that was kind of a funny little thing in yeah, the postgame. I didn't write about it, <laughs> but it was it's in the video, so watch the Chris Murray video. Uh, Fran McCaffrey, <laughs> he said Fran McCaffrey was like yelling into his ear to win the, you know, GD tip and uh, to start overtime. And Fran McCaffrey said that was huge. They wanted the ball first. And uh, Chris had said, <laughs> you know, Chris is kind of amusing sometimes. He's like, I haven't won a tip in a month. And I really don't think he has. Every yeah. time I will lose the opening tip. <laughs> that's like, that's something, that's something worth charting. Like that's yeah. something that you go back and think about. Like, okay. How many, when was the last time he won a tip? What is his win ratio this year on, on um, opening tips, but you know, to his point, I mean, he not only won the tip, but he went down, got in, you know, went down, posted somebody up, drew a foul immediately, made both free, made both free throws. So definitely um, sparked the momentum there for Iowa. And I think the the most glaring statistic is I referenced what Michigan Michigan State was shooting throughout the game, just one of five in that overtime period. I mean, Iowa completely. Because he's seized the control, they buckled down on defense and came away with came away with the win. Also, something that we haven't mentioned yet that we probably should is that Iowa won the rebounding battle today, including a decisive 15 to 4 advantage on offensive rebounds, which led to 29 second chance points. So that's been um that's been something that's hurt them as well this year. They're gonna you know, they've missed a lot of shots on the road. There haven't been many games where they went and got those misses back and turned those into more points. But today was an example of that. And without that strong rebounding effort, they wouldn't have won. I know that the three-point shooting and all that is going to take center stage, but that is um, a really big statistic that they hit today and led to a win. I don't Have we mentioned Tony Perkins' final line yet? Because it was no. pretty insane. 24. Might, go ahead. Go ahead. This, no, I was just going to say, this might be the best game of his career. Honestly, right there with the Illinois game. I mean, it has yeah. to be 20, 24 points, a game high, nine rebounds, six assists and three steals. And he was huge in overtime. I mean, uh, he, yeah. he, he scored Iowa's final six points. That game was completely in doubt uh, to the end. Uh, his final six points. He gets the poke away steal to Chris Murray. And he, and he said, I knew Chris was going to miss it. So he followed up and trailed and and dunked at home, uh, really athletic play. And then the next, and then the next time down, uh, Chris Murray posted up and about 25 seconds left in the game. I'll look at the exact time here, but, uh, 19 seconds. I'm sorry, 26 seconds left. And, and, per, and Perkins said, he told us in the press conference that, that Tyson Walker hadn't been blocking him out all game long, he said. And so he told Philip Robracha had fouled out. And so Tony told Chris, 
I'm just going to go to the rim because he's not blocking me out. And that's exactly what happened. He tips the ball in. Again, five rebounds on offense for Tony. Tom Izzo was just beside himself about the the, the defensive rebound. Yeah. He slammed, he slammed yeah. the table twice, and he also said piss poor coaching. Uh, so he was he was really upset. Um, and uh, you got to give Perkins credit. And then Perkins cans two free throws to clinch it. So 112, 106, the final margin with with Tony scoring those last six. Outstanding game for him. And, and then he hobbles. I mean, he looks like an old man hobbling out of these games. I don't know how he's. He does this after every game. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. Literally, he's literally limping after every game. He plays, I mean, he plays hard though. And I thought even going back to the Wisconsin game, even though he didn't necessarily play well in that game, he was playing hard throughout the game. He played at a level of effort that um, was not matched by many players on the team in that game. And he continued that in, in this one. So that's one thing I will say um, about Tony. Most of the time, like even if his statistics and all of that aren't there, he's going to play with, with a lot of effort. So maybe – we should give him a pass for how much he limps after games because he's leaving it. Um, he's leaving it all out. Oh there. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. Uh, should we do some uh, three-word headlines? I know. Uh, I know Connor McCaffrey had one for me. Which was? I guess Chad. Come on. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll throw I'll throw one out there. Freezing cold takes. For yeah, those yeah, who, yeah, yeah. For those who don't know um, that page, freezing cold takes, go look that up on Twitter. They retweeted Chad, who said that the game was over with two minutes to go after the yep. Fran Tech. So it that's did. that's my uh, that's my submission for today. Yeah, it was funny because uh, I will, uh, as I was leaving the press room very slowly with my boot on, um, <laughs> Connor yelled at me, and he, he's like, "Yeah, hey, just re-, he goes, Chad." And he goes, he goes. Uh, I just retweeted you. Come on, man. Come on, man. And he was, <laughs> he was having a good time with it. And then we kind of talked privately for a couple of minutes. And uh, uh, he basically said, yeah, we were we were toast. <laughs> I have no idea how we came back. So uh, anyway, if, ever, if everybody out there who's saying like, oh, you idiot, like if you actually believed I was going to come back, uh, I give you a lot of credit because uh, it was over. <laughs> yeah, it was over. And. Every NCAA, every metric would tell you it was, but especially after the T. Right. Uh, but Iowa did it, man. They've they've done this. Uh, they've done this. So maybe I should have believed. Maybe I should have believed. But yeah. nonetheless, it doesn't it doesn't change. Uh, uh, you know, everything we report afterwards, it's all unbiased, un- you know, objective or whatever. It's just you know, you call it like you see it when you're a columnist, and I thought it was over. So yeah, I mean, Tony Perkins Oops. thought it was over. Connor, he, he Connor, too. Connor, yeah. Connor yeah. said they were toast. I mean, come. I mean, probably the only people who really believed were like Peyton Sanford and Chris. Chris Murray said he never had any doubt either. So I'll yeah. probably throw Fran in there too. Those are probably the only three people amongst fifteen thousand that thought that the <laughs> Iowa was um, was winning today. Um, so I'm on I'm rec- I'm on my phone, so I can't yeah. like go through Twitter. So I'll let you carry the. Okay. Uh, the three word headlines. I can do. I can do. Mitch Fick uh, gave us the first first one, unintentionally. Uh, said the stare down spark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Roger Wetlawer replied to that. Don't leave early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it was funny. One of the one of the players. I can't remember who it was. Was asked like, "Did you notice the fans leaving?" And he goes, "No, but I noticed them coming back." <laughs> that might have been Tony. 
<laughs> it was either him or, or Peyton. Peyton, yeah, remember. him or Peyton, yeah. yeah. Um, one right. from from John Miller, who probably had the best one of the day. Um, yeah. Stairway to Heaven, which stair is in all caps. So shout out to him. He got a lot of love for that one. That was a really clever one. Yeah, that is good. Um, I'm sorry. I'm struggling to find uh, my initial tweet here. One sec. Oh, yeah, I got it. We're all over it now. Um <laughs> Uh, Tony uh, or Elliot Elliot Ponal says uh, stare down stunner with the threes in place of the E's. They're very, very clever. Very clever. Uh, <laughs> here's a good one from Brett Johnson. Brody Brecht 101. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, take, uh, take it away. Take it away, Kenny. You followed the baseball game more than I did. Yeah. Iowa crushed number one LSU today. And apparently Brody Brecht hit 100 on his first pitch. So. Mm. He, I don't have the stat line in front of me. Our um, our other reporter, Dargan Souther, was on it. He said something like Brody had was three and a third, six strikeouts, eight walks, a few wild pitches, 90 <laughs> pitches in less than four innings. 40 um, strikes. Yeah, yeah, 40 strikes, but Iowa won. So, Oh, there's the line. Dargan just texted it to us, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's an insane line. I guess he didn't get the win. I'm too bad for him. But. Anyway. Another that just shows the craziness of this day of Iowa sports. And as I'm talking, as you see me probably looking around, like ESPN game day stuff is getting set up all over for the women's game tomorrow. So who knows what we're in store with uh, tomorrow for the women's game? I think it's it's going to be bonkers. The women's players were here. Uh, Lisa Bluter was sitting right behind me, and I thought I thought about turning around to her when Michigan State could not miss from three and making a Maryland joke. But someone else told me that it's probably a good thing I didn't because it was too soon. Yeah, I don't know if that would have landed well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, a lot of stuff I said today didn't land well, obviously. So. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, oh, Nate Lamphere with another spin. Stare down frantics like that. Good one. Yeah. D. Schrock, never say die. Um, in heaven, there is no beer. This one's over. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 Um see if i can find any one more good one you know it's it's a lot of don't leave early's honestly yeah. <laughs> so uh i guess we'll leave it at that but th there was some good submissions um today i guess let's go to final thoughts now kennington uh you know final week of the regular season is upon us uh hawkeyes are 10 and 8 now in conference play have 18 wins overall uh i think they got to get to one more, I think, get you you safely in the tournament, and and I think you still want to be playing for seeds. So the more wins, the better. If they can climb to the seven, climb to the six line in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, my immediate thought is, will this shooting translate to Tuesday's game at Indiana? Uh, it seemed very much like this game was. Um, a very what am I trying to say? It seemed like they. This is a game that um, galvanized the team. I mean, Tony Perkins talks about it. Chris Murray talks about it. How big of a win this was, how they did it, the comeback, the improved shooting, not giving up, coming together, being connected. All of those things seem to be defining characteristics of a win like this. Is that going to carry over in Indiana on Tuesday? Because that place is going to be rocking. That was obviously a very emotional Highly competitive game when it was played here in early January. There's a lot on the line. Like you said, 
teams are jockeying for NCAA tournament seeds. They're jockeying for tournament position within their own conference. So uh, I'll be there in Indiana looking forward to, to seeing um, Assembly Hall for the first time. But that's kind of where mine goes is, okay, this was a huge win for Iowa, but can they build on this and can they do it on the road in what's going to be a really tough environment? Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, let's see how this three-point shooting translates. And uh, I know I I know I kind of dogged Nebraska earlier, but they are actually a red hot team right now. They're they beat Minnesota today. I know that's not a huge accomplishment, but they are eight and ten now in Big Ten play. So really, just two games behind the Hawkeyes. Uh, Hawks are now seventh place in the Big Ten standings, so they inched up a little bit, uh, but they will move up uh, in one way or another tomorrow because Northwestern and Maryland face each other. So one of those teams will, will come back. But no, I guess Northwestern may not. So uh, maybe not. Maryland's 10 and 7. So if Maryland loses that, they drop to 10 and 8. Illinois at Ohio State. If they lose, they've dropped to 10 and 8. Michigan plays Wisconsin. One of those teams has to lose. Michigan could drop to 10 and 8. And then Rutgers and Penn State play tomorrow. That's a 9 and 8 versus 8 and 9. So still, yeah, this, this middle of the pack in the Big Ten, very, very congested. And uh, exciting. It's, I mean, it, it, it gives us this week a little more juice that Iowa wins the game. And now what do you, let's talk about the Iowa women real quick, Kennings, before we sign off. Just uh, we're both coming to the game tomorrow, uh, Iowa versus number two, Indiana. I think the Hawkeyes win. I think uh, this home crowd, this, this weekend has just been bonkers. Starting with the Sacramento Kings game last night, by the way, with Keegan Murray. Yeah. Uh, what was that score? 175? 176, 175. Hey, the Kings are like almost in second place in the Western Conference, which if you if you follow the NBA, you know how crazy that is. If you don't follow the NBA, the Kings have not made the playoffs in 16 years, and they are going to make it this year, barring an epic collapse. And they could be as high as the number two seed in the Western Conference. So um, is it the King and Murray effect? I'm not saying that it is, but I'm not, not saying that either. So the, what do you think on the women's game tomorrow? I mean, I, I just think uh, this crowd's going to be crazy. And, and Indiana's really good, but uh, I just see I just see a team that's going to come out after the Maryland, law, Maryland loss. You wrote the game story off the Maryland game. That's just going to be livid, and Indiana could be running into a buzzsaw. We'll see, but uh, I, I just have a feeling this is going to be a, a good weekend for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of my thought about this game as well. That Maryland loss was so deflating for a number of reasons. Obviously, the main one is this game could have been for the Big Ten Championship um, or a share of the Big Ten Championship, I should say, and it's not. So the game loses a little bit of juice in that regard. But listening to Lisa Bluter after that Maryland game, um, she was not happy, obviously, um, with the effort defensively, with how they played offensively, not playing their game, not playing to their pace. And it very much reminded me of the North Carolina State loss earlier this year, the level of disappointment that she expressed and level of frustration and how Iowa responded after that loss going on the run that they did, which included a few uh, really big wins, including Michigan and Ohio State. So I think the the same thing is in the cards for the Iowa women uh, tomorrow. I expect them to, to get the win. College game day is here. What a a credible opportunity is for Caitlin Clark to continue to advance her player of the year agenda. College game day's here. The center of the women's basketball world is going to be here in Iowa city. I expect Caitlin Clark to rise to the occasion and for Iowa to get the win and end the season on a high note and um, big game still, even though the big 10 titles not on the line, Iowa has to win to get the number two seed because Maryland is also 14 and three. So yep. 
have to have to win this game for uh, conference tournament seating as well. But I think I was gonna gonna win the game. And NCAA seating because if Iowa yeah. beats, if Iowa finishes second in the Big Ten, um, they they probably win that that tie with Maryland at least for the time being. I guess you know Big Ten tournament could could have a factor. But this starts a huge week for the Iowa women because that Big Ten tournament for them starts Friday in Minneapolis. So with that, I'll say goodbye for Chad Lysico, Kennington Smith. Uh, I'll take us out. Uh, so long. Thanks for joining us on this Hawk Central YouTube podcast, and we'll be with you uh, next week for another busy week of Hawkeye Hoops. Take care, everyone.